back to the Mulberry Lane Show on the Mighty 1290. Brought to you by Elisa Ilana. Once again, here's Mulberry Lane. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show on the Mighty 1290. Brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. I'm Bo Witch. I'm Rachel Vampira. And I'm Alley Catwoman. And we're the three witches today of our Halloween show. And last week you heard part one of our interview with the founder of Mannheim Steamroller, Chip Davis. And this week we have part two. Now we pick it up this week with Chip telling us about Mannheim's busy schedule in November and December. So then after we do Macy's, we go up to QVC again. Okay. And then I'm going from QVC to Universal, and then I'll be there the month of December doing the Grinch that stole Christmas with a big orchestra. Wow. Now, you did a new arrangement of mm-hmm. you're the mean one, Mr. Grinch, and all yep. of that, too. That yep, had to I be Manheim, fun. Yep, I Mannheimized those. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a funny story how that came about. You know, I have this medical division. I don't know if you know about that, the ambiance. Yes, with the music therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was actually on the north coast of Oregon on Haystack Rock out on Cannon Beach, recording waves that were hitting from the uh, west and then rolling into the beach. And so we had a, four wireless mics recording those waves hitting so that then when, you know, when the waves hit, if picture now, they're on tape, four channels, and you're in a hospital room laying on your back and the speakers are in the ceiling, so the waves start at your feet and they roll through your body. Oh. And so that's what I was trying to accomplish. Now, I'm out there on Haystack Rock, and I get this phone call from a guy named Jim Timon, who's the creative director at Universal, and he said, Hey, Chip, hey, I finally got an opportunity. We got it cleared with the guys upstairs that we really want you to work on the Grinch. I said, Hey, that's great. How soon do you need it? He goes, Oh, nine days. I'm like, What? <laughs> I'm I'm on top of a rock out here in, in the Pacific Ocean. Isn't that always the way it happens? I gotta wait for the tide to go back out so I can even get off of this. Thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm stuck in a rock. Wow! Well, what a great phone call to get, though. It was great, and not only the concert versions, which started off as it was going to be an experiment, a concert. Uh-huh. Now, before that, the first thing we started off with is a version of the Grinch that were 20-minute shows that ran seven shows a day. Wow. And then they were just bleachers, and it was part of your ticket. If you get a ticket to go into Universal, mm-hmm. you know, certain rides you can go on without paying extra. You could go to this show without paying for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so it was running seven days a week. Well, then it got so popular, and then the weather would kind of be iffy, so they ended up building me a building. So it's parked in there running all the time right now, and then they decided to try a concert version with a big orchestra, which are mostly members of the Orlando Symphony. Wow. And we tried one concert, and it drew 25,000 people. Wow. And the concert were like, holy smokes, this mm-hmm. might work. Uh-huh. So then the next year, it's like, you think we could do two of those? And now we're up to eight. Wow. <laughs> so it really worked. It really clicked. Yeah, and uh-huh. the, the draw didn't go down. I mean, it stayed at 25,000 per show, it's a, and it's a stand-up outdoor. It's only a one-hour concert, so it's not too long for people to be Just stand and, and watch. And yeah. Outside, yeah. Oh, what a neat thing. Now, you'll also be featured in the Pandora-sponsored NBC holiday special. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. They'll be uh, on NBC. Okay, so Thanksgiving weekend, we'll be on the parade on Thanksgiving. Then that Sunday is when our show will air on NBC. And I think I'm Megan Hilty or somebody. Yeah, singing. Megan Hilty from yeah. Smash. Yeah, uh-huh, that's right. We'll be yeah. on along with the skaters. Mm-hmm. And then I know Elvis Stoico very well. Uh, Elvis and a number of the skaters, have, we've done skating specials with them before. I know mm-hmm. Elvis is doing one of the lead roles in it. Okay. Now, Chip, during this time of year, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? You know, normal, six to eight. So you must just be very good at prioritizing your time? 
Yeah, I have a good staff. Uh-huh. And I do the planning and, like, the notes and all that junk. And, you know, like I would work with Luann to design the show out in Vegas, and I'll be there mm-hmm. for the rehearsals point. I mean, I'm hands-on on the design phase uh-huh. and, like, you know, the ownership of the creative. Mm-hmm. Right. And then once the thing gets up and rocking, then I'm off onto something else. Now, was it always like that? No, Regarding back in your... the old days, I mean... We did everything. I mean, like the few of us that were in the band back in the beginning, I mean, we set up the scaffolding for the projectors. Mm-hmm. I shot the photography for the projectors. You know, my wife, Carol, uh, who used to be the, on the weather, Carol Scott, she mm-hmm. shot a lot of photography. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody that was in the show did something. I mean, all the players even had to set up the staging. And, you know, we did everything ourselves, mm-hmm. plus load the truck. Right. Now, you are no longer touring yourself, right? No. Okay. Not for a person my age. That's like for a, uh, you know, somebody in their like thirties and forties. The, the bands are younger now. Okay. Uh, the the two touring bands. They're a lot of them have been students uh, from uh, the original band too. Okay. We do have a couple original band members. I, I take that back. That are still touring. I'm pretty sure Ron Cooley's playing in one of them. Uh-huh. The guys that play in Universal for me are former Mannheimers. Jonathan Swoboda. I don't know if you know Jonathan. He's professor uh-huh. of music at Kent State, and he grew up as a student here okay. in Omaha, and his father actually was the attorney who trademarked American Gramophone. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. I mean, yeah, the, the ties go deep. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's all family, you know. Now, you recently went back to you, where you were born, Sylvania, Ohio, and yeah. you now have a street there named after you yeah. that gave you a whole big homecoming, so congratulations on that. Well, thank you. That and was a real a treat. Uh-huh. And both your mom and dad were musical, and you kind of grew up surrounded by music. Mm-hmm. Both my grandmothers, too. Wow. So how did all of that kind of inform what you do now? I didn't have much choice, did I? No, really not. <laughs> uh, I was just around it 24-7. I mean, both my grandmothers were piano teachers. Uh-huh. Then both my parents went to Michigan also, and dad was in the service bands. And then when he got out, he was teaching school. Actually, the... The place where this road is named goes right by the school where Dad taught okay. high school music and was also one of my theory, high school theory teachers. Wow. It was a real trip down memory lane to be able to be there. And then I went and saw my house where I grew up. And, and then they honored me at a high school Friday night football game. And man, did that bring back memories to see the marching band that I played in. And, and they played your songs. They played my song uh-huh. and they played my then the choir, a bunch of members that are my age that I went to high school with all got up in the auditorium and sang my father's alma mater. Oh. And I cried through that. I'm oh sure my gosh, did. what a touching moment. Yeah, they got me on stage and made me sing with them. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> that had to be one of the highlights. You've done so many things, but I bet that was truly a touching moment. Oh, it just, you know, from a purely emotional standpoint, that yes. was like one of the best things I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So now you were told that you shouldn't do a Christmas album, but right. you went ahead and did it. So mm-hmm. what do you think it is about your personality that has allowed you to become so successful? Well, you'd be, you'd be better off to ask my dad because he always said I argued with him all the time. Uh. And then now I'm kind of starting to well, I get that from my son who's 16, so I, <laughs> I don't know. Karma. It's just one of those things that's like, go ahead, tell me I can't do something. You know, and try and put me in a box. You know, and that, that's the other thing. They go, you know, hey, Chip, you, know, you really think out of the box. And they're like, what box? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no and box. And they go like this. For you, the sky's the limit. I go like, there's a limit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so much of this business is timing. 
but you always seem to be in the right place at the right time. So would you say that you have good instincts or would you say you just worked really hard and got yourself in the right place at the right time? Oh, I think a lot of it is, I think there's luck involved too. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you can plan and plan and plan, but you can't put lightning in a jar. You really mm-hmm. can't. Sometimes it just happens. And somehow have been extremely fortunate in having the goods at the right time to show up with. And mm-hmm. uh, when, when you least expect it, you know, that, that something might hit, and if you've got the stuff ready to go, yeah. then if you see the door cracking open, you've got to be smart enough to realize that the opportunity is waiting. If you don't take it, mm-hmm. it'll close. Mm-hmm. And, that you know, I think part of the genius is recognizing when that door is cracked open. Possibly. Some of it could be dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the music industry today is so fragmented. Yeah. What advice would you give an artist trying to make it in the current environment? Go down to X Arvin and bet on horses. <laughs> I have a better chance. That is so true. It's that, a crazy that, that's business. That's honest advice. <laughs> it's really difficult. The combination of how retail is handling products now, mm-hmm. the amount of titles. Go into one of the big box stores, as we call them, you know, major retailers. Go in the music department and see how many slots and how many units are sitting there. Like, you know, of a new record by somebody, and if you get 10 units of one of your CDs in there, you're really lucky. I mean, it can go away in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So the window for sales can be very short. With that happening, it becomes very difficult to chart real high. And it's like the old days, you know, the, the radio stations wouldn't play the songs that you had unless it was selling. Well, the retailers wouldn't carry it unless the radio stations were playing it. Right. Catch-22. Yeah, you're really stuck there. I have a story of the way I went about doing it, actually. I finally got a handful of product into Target over there on Saddle Creek. Mm-hmm. We were able to also get a single. It was a C.W. McCall single into the jukeboxes. Okay. So we had an advertising budget of $10. <laughs> and so uh, we took like two bucks of it. And turned it into quarters, so we had eight quarters. This sounds like a story problem in math, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. And, They're starting uh, to scare go, me. We'd go to some unsuspecting bar where we had the single in there and uh, punch up five plays uh-huh. and then go on to the next bar and do the same thing. Then, once we got the awareness going, then we went over to Target and I bought all my product off myself back off the shelves. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that looked like it was selling, so the radio station started playing it. Mm-hmm. And then the radio station started playing it. Then the retailers started ordering more product and stuff. So it kind of... So you gave yourself a nice little jump start there. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anybody else going to do it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you're trying to get somebody familiar with who you are, and like, we didn't really have live acts yet Mm -hmm. of this stuff. So you weren't touring, you weren't out on the road. Exactly. And that speaks to your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I guess so. You know, living out here on a farm and having horses, I sometimes kind of think of it more like an entrepreneur. Very punny. (laughs) Well, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry on the Mighty 1290. We're chatting here with Grammy Award-winning composer Chip Davis. So, Chip, any new music now? I've got a brand-new album that nobody's heard yet called Exotic Spaces. And the concept there is I took exotic spaces like pyramids, the Taj Mahal, Under the Ocean, and the Under the Ocean one, I recorded whales off the coast of Oregon, about five years ago with hydrophones, and I used the whale melody as the melody. Oh, my gosh. And so the form structure had to be built around the melody because I didn't 
change when the whale comes in and out. And I wrote the music around that. Oh, that is so neat. That is so creative. It was, it's a really cool sounding tune. It's, you know, so do the whales get royalties? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. They work for fish, though. It's not real. The royalties aren't real high. You know, krill is real big on their list. <laughs> now, what about the other spaces? Like the pyramids? Uh-huh. Um, I used, you know, with Pro Tools 9, you can get virtually any kind of a plug-in sure. for mm-hmm. sounds. And so for our listeners, what that means is Pro Tools is a computer system that allows us to put virtual instruments in it that sound exactly like the real thing. In fact, in some ways, they almost sound better than the real thing. Mm-hmm. So I used all kinds of Egyptian instruments for that. Now, what are Egyptian instruments? There's something, I, I can't recall the name of it just off the top of my head, but it sounds very similar to a, an accordion. Okay. And it's when you hear it, it's like, hmm, that doesn't sound like, it sounds like we're in Italy or somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it really is a true ancient Egyptian instrument. It's sort of a reed instrument, but in a squeeze box format. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd use that and then a lot of different percussion instruments that would have been Egyptian from different periods. Oh, neat. And I have this Groves Dictionary, you know, the, the whole collection, mm-hmm. which now I'm glad I got it when I did. I probably can afford it now. Mm-hmm. But I look these things up and see what the instruments look like and kind of get a sense from reading historically how they were played as to how I might, just from a gut feel, because, I mean, you know, nobody had recording stuff in the ancient days. Right, and there's this. probably no experts in those instruments around. Not much. I mean, there <laughs> might be some, but I don't know where they'd get the information either because, mm-hmm. you know, unless they were recording on stumps or something. <laughs> <laughs> So now, how do you come up with these ideas and these inspirations? I know nature has been a big inspiration for you, but where do you get ideas like recording the spaces thing? Traveling? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of weird. It just kind of comes to me, I guess. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like in a newspaper. You get a headline, and then there's a story, you know, that builds based from the headline. Mm-hmm. And so I guess conceptually, where did I come up with exotic spaces is the problem. The spaces themselves weren't a problem once I figured out the concept. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I don't really know where that came from, it's, except it may have been led by the fact that when we installed Pro Tools 9 and I had access to all these incredible ethnic instruments, uh-huh. I wanted a way to use them. Mm-hmm. And so once I started doing that, I think the title evolved then from that. The whole concept kind of came together exactly. from that. Exactly. I think that's what happened. Okay. At my age, I can't remember what I ate <laughs> for lunch yesterday either. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Chip, so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts in music with us. Oh, awesome. Very cool. We enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. Absolutely. Me too. I have, always have a good time, you know, talking about stuff because I'm real excited about what we all do and the people I've got are great. Well, thank you, Chip. You bet. Hey, we'll talk to you guys later. Okay, okay Chip. Thanks, Chip. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you guys are great. Thanks so much for the interview. Yeah, stay warm. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Stay with us.